WBEN. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A day where we saw some higher numbers in the grain complex. Of course, minus the wheat in Chicago, they traded to the downside. If we flip the page and take a look at what's happening on the livestock, they too saw a lot of nice green on the screen today. We're going to take a look at what's happening in the fundamentals of this trade. Obviously, some outside influence as well as still maybe a bit of reaction from last week's report. As PJ Conrad joins us today, he is with Trade-Offs. So good way to start a Monday with a lot of green on the screen. Yeah, you know, overnights we trade a little bit higher, and then come day trade, uh, we were actually lower on both corn and beans for a while. Uh, so good to see the follow through throughout the day, to at least end up in the green. And and I guess looking ahead, it's like what what does all this mean? You know, those numbers last week were obviously uh, potentially bullish. It's more, do we see the follow through to get us back to, you know, so or north of seven dollars, say on Dees corn? You know, that's twenty some cents away. It's 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 going to be a test. I don't know if we have it in the market right now to want to make that run higher. Um, but today was a good a good step in the right direction. You just got to keep building off it every day. I mean, there are gaps in the charts up there at seven seven twenty plus. I do think the overall uh, economic health was worrisome. And just touching on you know broadly speaking, a lot of a lot of markets you're seeing higher today were also uh, significantly lower. Um, on Friday as well. You know, the stock market would be a great example. It's been in a pretty tough spot and up 800 points as we talk. Uh, same feeders and fats, you know, some some really bad trade over the last seven seven days or so. So an update for them, does it really change the overall narrative? I don't know if it does, but corn's definitely, from a chart standpoint, a lot more uh, advantageous to look to say we could make a run back at 7 to 7.20 than, uh, you know, say wheat or cattle for that matter. So as you look at the overall picture, I mean, obviously we're coming off of last week's report. You had a couple days to digest, but it just doesn't seem like the markets reacted very much to it and just thought, well, it's a September report, not a big deal. Well, let's move on. Yeah, I wonder some of it too, Susan. I mean, when they are changing numbers like that uh, a year later, it makes all fundamental analysis around uh, supply and demand a lot harder to get excited about uh, just because these are big changes. You start talking, you know, 150 million plus bushels uh, that are you know, suddenly disappear. And then all of a sudden our balance sheet this year goes from, you know, whatever, 1.2 down to uh, just over a billion bushels, assuming USDA keeps everything flat. And I think that's the question is, is as we come into this October 12th report, do we keep things flat? Uh, d- does USDA keep demand where it's at, or do they start trimming other areas to keep, you know, maybe our carry out a little bit higher, or keep it in that 1.2? And then, regardless of what happens, it just you're going to put question in whatever number gets printed, and so trade's going to trade what they perceive to be right, and maybe maybe they feel like we're at a spot where you know we're over a billion bushels, we're going to plant a lot. We don't know what South America for sure is going to have, but. Um, they're off to a decent start. You know, maybe we're in a happy spot as the combines, you know, bean harvest we're far into, but corn harvest really starting to inch into in Nebraska, and, and maybe it'll be a few weeks down the road before you start getting the reaction to this year's yield. We do have the weekly crop progress report that comes out this afternoon, and it's obviously starting to weigh down in in influence. But is there any influence on what these numbers and information have to say this afternoon? 
Uh, there's always something. You know, if you got a wild card of uh, whatever to come out, but I think by and large we've had a good week of progress. I think the thing to watch maybe is are we further ahead on say soybeans harvested uh, than where we maybe are anticipating? If you can get a number like that, then you think harvest wants to sprint ahead. And it sure feels that way. Uh, we've had beautiful weather for the last two weeks or more. Uh, God willing, we get a rain tomorrow, but we'll see what that brings. But I think everyone could use the break as we were talking off air, use the break and also get guys to set back up, kind of understand where they're at, get bushels in the right spot and keep everyone moving forward. Weekly export inspections, I, I was reading one called them disappointing or just lagging a little bit behind schedule. Obviously, the dollar influence and, and South America, I think, is still weighing in on this trade. Uh, most definitely. I think the dollar influence, you know, it doing what it has and, and you know, other global currencies and global economic factors that are not uh, helping their their stance. But then you look at, like you said, South America, our beans have been better export wise than corn. That's that's 100 percent. I guess the question is, you know, do they think we're going to make a run back at 570? Do they think they can buy it cheaper? I mean, some of the interesting stuff, you know, we're seeing, too, is just basis as strong as it is. I mean, we do have some very uh, poor areas of yields, south, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, uh, western Nebraska. So there's definitely problem spots. But uh, when you start talking, you know, five over for full harvest or zero basis for full harvest, those are some aggressive numbers that you just don't typically see. Uh, What does it all mean? You know, I think there's a really strong argument to be made if you uh, don't have to fill your bins, why why fill them? Uh, there's other ways to reown the crop with a basis where it is. Maybe you want to handle it once and get it get it out of the way. So always something to think about, though. So having mentioned the basis, what type of pressure are we going to see as harvest continues? Yeah, you keep thinking we're going to see the heart real normal harvest rush that will take basis, you know, back to twenty thirty under, and maybe this year we only get to five ten under, but. If there's any kind of you know full month October premiums out there, you can still find. I think that's where you want to go hit because I do really I still think in ten days, seven to ten days when when full gut slot corn harvest is rolling, it's still going to be hard to find a home at times, and that's just the reality of it. Is I think well, there's a lot of good irrigated yields, uh, dry land obviously not so much, but uh, the irrigated stuff by and large uh, bearing, bearing any hail and massive wind. Uh, has been at least good. I'm not going to go on a limb and say great. There's a great out there, but there's also not so good out there, too. So uh, it sounds like a good crop in Nebraska. Stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up as we continue here momentarily with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Fontenelle Hybrids delivers proven performance year after year. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. That's a 74% win rate on farms just like yours. Contact your local Fontenelle Hybrids dealer or go to Fontenelle.com to learn more. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stores. VM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. As we continue our conversation with PJ Conrad with Trados. So a listener question coming out of the state of Kansas has to do with this winter wheat crop. And is there any concerns or have you heard any concerns in the lack or lagging there, as he put it, of this winter wheat planting? 
Oh, I think there's definitely the concerns, most most definitely. A, as dry as we've been, there's also the fear of, you know, why go out there and put the seed out and then not get a lot of moisture this winter? I mean, we could be battling the same battle. And then, like he said, you know, kind of lagging of, of getting it in the ground. I think price is great, and it's it's exciting, but uh, there's probably a lack of um, uh, motivation is probably not the right word, but, but frustration is probably more right of just – it's been a long, long, hot summer and dry, and to go want to go put another crop in the ground when you don't know if you're going to get any, anything to speak of uh, for moisture is frustrating. So and I, I've had a lot of clients, too, just toying around with the idea of maybe planting 80 acres to wheat this year. I think a handful are going to try, and, and some aren't, mostly on dry land. And it's like, where do we go with price? And I think the interest, some interesting things I have heard is we are seeing uh, through satellite images – you're seeing things, grain, move out of Russia, move out of some of those annexed areas of Ukraine, and they're hitting ports, uh, they're hitting vessels there that are you know, kind of essentially GPS turned off. So we're seeing activity of that crop moving and hitting the world market. So I think when you talk about wheat price, you know, there's also the thought like, well, if Putin's not going to release any of it, Russia wants to hold on their massive wheat supply. But at the end of the day, typically the price is right somewhere. And, and grain's going to move as long as people can make money, dollars and cents out of it. So I think when you talk big picture, whether it be about wheat or corn or soybeans or cotton, you look, everything's at a higher price right now and everything's inflated um, at good levels. It's as elevated levels. But how long can we stay here as we turn that page into next year? Um what does that mean for prices? And I think really you're going to be hinging on South America right now to say, is that one shoe that could drop? Uh, I mean, we could beat the horse to death on the uh, the global markets and that type of thing of what that could do. But I think ultimately that's going to impact everything and you can't control. You know, I know the, the UN, United Nations today asked the Fed, you know, hey, maybe we should not be raising interest rates and you could stop doing that for a while to create some stability within the world financial markets i don't know how any of that reacts you know and that's been such a strong influence as well as the fact that you got brazil getting decent rains not getting any rains in argentina low mississippi river which is causing for some barge concerns there's just a lot of outsides that are going to be influencing this harvest and that's the pressure we've been talking about I've told so many clients, you know, I think you if you put things in a tunnel and, and silo it out and say, okay, are corn and soybeans bullish? If you, you you look at some of the chart and you look at carryouts, yeah, you can definitely be fundamentally and even chart-wise bullish. But when you start throwing in, hey, the river's backed up, are we going to get – I think they said they have to move double the amount of grain down the river now as they did in 2012, which was as the last time it was this low. And right now, for what they can move, it's taking roughly, you know, instead of two barges, it's taking three to get that same amount of product and, and probably more as we move along here and it stays dry. So all these factors start backing up to, say, interior basis getting worse. But who wants to hold? And I don't know how this is going to play out, but, you know, you take these uh, delivery systems are along the river. And who wants to be holding a futures contract in the delivery if you had taken along the river because you're only option I shouldn't say only, but your next best option is typically to go back down the river with it. So all these type of factors, and then you got the, the global currency crisis of pension funds, everything else, 
how is this all going to shake out in ways that are have nothing to do ne- necessarily with our grain markets? And that's what my fear is: is something bigger, bigger picture happens than the fact we have low yields and it's dry out. You know, so that I think to encompass things, and you look at harvest where it is, and you got OPEC talking about cutting uh, production again to drive prices higher. I mean, gas hasn't came down a ton, but I think they I had a client tell me today his diesel went up 15 cents from Friday to today. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's just little stuff like that that is out of our control. The inputs look to remain high. So if you're booking a lot, I still just, I mean, I bang the drum until I'm blue in the face. So you got to lock in something for next year. In the event, one of the five things we said does happen and brings more negativity to the market, you don't want to get holding uh, expensive inputs without a a high-priced output out there. Lots of things that we talked about today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys? Uh, you can call us at 402-858-7529 or check us out on any social media platform at LLC. All right. PJ Conrad has been joining us today. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's how we're kicking it off. The Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.